Father, I pray today that that would be the anthem that would ring out for the church of Jesus. That would be the anthem, Lord, that our desires to be used by you. Lord, we want to be authentic. We want to be real. We don't want to be a form of, but we want to be the real thing. We want to be like Christ. Paul said, imitate me as I imitate the Christ. We want to be have this life-giving source on the inside of us that's tangible. It's not just some mystic thing. It's not something that we see others experience, but we experience for ourselves on the depth of who we are. David prayed. He said, I, I long in the innermost parts of me to be filled with truth. Truth that transforms. Truth that renews. Truth that changes and moves things. And a person, I want to be real. I want to be emptied of myself and to be filled with you. I want to come into a greater sense of freedom. Because your life is in the inside of me. You, not me. And I love what was shared this morning at the prayer meeting at 9 o'clock. Lazarus had to die before he could be fully raised fully raised in the resurrected body in the new the Bible talks a lot about death to self die go into the waters and die and come up in the fullness and the newness of the creation that I've made you leaving the old behind and so Father today we, we, we take that song as an anthem here I want to be real I want to be emptied of self self-pattern, self-thinking and transformed through the renewing of the mind of Christ. To be able to walk in accuracy, to be able to walk in a way that brings kingdom to earth, to be able to walk in a way that people notice the church because of the internal structures and systems that are being built in the heart which manifests itself in grace, love and mercy and power and works. What an incredible church that is. A people loved by the Father, a people that are empowered by the Holy Spirit, a people that know their authority and their identity and walk in a way that a world looks and sees God and honours God and chooses to follow God. What an incredible church, amen? That is God's people. That's a picture, a finish of God's people who we are all called to be and become, that we are all invited to it. I said two weeks ago that God doesn't hide things from us, He hides it for us, that we would discover the fullness, the richness, the unfathomable greatness of Christ. Unbelievable. And as we've been talking about, you know, our natural mind struggles to conceive the role that the church would play here on earth. But through a renewing process by the Holy Spirit, the mind can start to see how God sees and the mind can start to live in an accuracy to how God sees and we see kingdom released. It's amazing. It's amazing truth. If you can capture it through revelation of the Spirit and start to live in it, and to fulfill the high calling that Paul talks about of the saints. To not just be saved, 
but to inherit the fullness of who you are as a follower of Christ. Salvation and justification is step one, but it's not the end, church. Can you hear that today? It is not the end. It's the start of a whole process of us coming to the fullness of a son or a daughter. Galatians 4 is the picture of God talking to the church, saying don't be like a slave who has this incredible inheritance but never owns it because he doesn't or she doesn't know about it. The fullness of God. Amen. Grab a seat, eh? Who's been enjoying the last few weeks? I've just, I personally have. I, I, you know, as I say, I was away in, in Auckland, but you know, I don't know about anyone else, but you know, people say switch off when you go away. Uh, that makes no sense to me. There, I, I can't switch this thing off because it's in me. It's who I am. It's not. It's not a job. It's not something I do. It's me. It's, it's who I am. So I understand that we need to enter God's rest and you know somehow try and just sort of you know work in the tension. But I don't know how you switch it off. It's like trying to say don't breathe. It, it, it wouldn't be a very good outcome. And uh, and so we've just had a great time. And now I'm just excited. Uh, well, I guess I'm always excited, but just excited to be back and speaking again and just continuing on this journey of looking at the kingdom and the king. And I thought today it would just be a great opportunity just to recap some of the things that we've been sharing over the three or four weeks. Because I, I don't know about you guys, I know for myself, you know, you hear one thing and sometimes it can come in and go out and God wants you to just sit on it and meditate on it, on that truth. And when we were up in Auckland and and a man by the name of Bill Johnson speaking, he must have about 50 gold gems in half an hour or 40 minutes. And you're trying to write and you go, man, I need to meditate on that. What a thought I need to, I need to, you know, seek God on that. And so I thought it'd be a great idea just to go back and recap some of the four main things that we've talked about over the last four weeks so we can get it into us and really start thinking about what's being shared. Amen? And not just go, oh, that was another good message. Get me the next feed and the next feed. Because that's how we can live in the church. We can just come and want another message after another message. And God's saying, you didn't learn what I wanted you to learn from this part. You're on to the next thing and you haven't even looked at what we really talked about here. Because the word is to transform us. The word isn't just to tickle our intellect. It's to actually shape us and mould us into being a picture that God has. And the church that is capable of doing certain things. Yeah? Cool. All right. So, part of the main scripture, I guess, that we've been talking about is John 18, where we see Jesus in front of a man called Pontius Pilate, and he was a governor of Judea, and it's just before Jesus is about to be crucified. And they had this conversation, and Pontius comes up and he says, you a king. And Jesus says, how did you know that? Did someone tell you that, or, or did you get that from your own understanding or revelation? And Pontius Pilate says, no, no, the, the people that put you here, your people that put you here before me, told me. And Jesus says, you're right in saying I am a king. In fact, I'm a king from another kingdom. He says, if I was from your world or your kingdom, my mates here wouldn't allow me to be here. They'd come and rescue me and there'd be a big fight right about now and they'd carry me off. But he says, I'm not. He says, I am a king, but I am from another kingdom that's not of this world. But as we know, when Jesus says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand, he brought his kingdom to earth when he arrived. 
For his kingdom exists on earth. It's an unseen kingdom. It's an unseen realm. But through the Spirit and through revelation, we can start to see it and perceive it, walk in it, and start to draw resource from it to see God's dominion and rulership come to earth and see people's lives change and transform through His truth and His Word and His power and His Spirit. Amen? And so this is what Jesus brought. When He brought, he brought this kingdom with Him. How many know the carnal mind couldn't deceive it? The fleshly mind couldn't deceive it. It's like, what on earth is this guy talking about? The Jewish people, the Pharisees, they couldn't see it. They couldn't hear it. And so they ended up killing God, the Christ, instead of embracing and engaging with this very kingdom that Jesus came to bring to establish his rulership and his dominion on earth. That's an amazing truth, isn't it? I thought it was. <laughs> I want to walk in that. I want to, I want to perceive that. I want to experience it. I just don't want this to be some nice head knowledge. I want this to be my reality. I want, to, I want to sing songs like Let It Rain and go across the road and see people going, man, thanks for singing some songs. You know, this is what happened. And actually experience the reality of this kingdom on earth. That's for all of us, guys. To be our experience. Not just our theology, but theology that transforms into an experience that takes us to a divine encounter with Jesus which actually transforms you and feeds you and starts to lead you into the fullness of being the church. That's exciting. The kingdom that Jesus brought, it functions and operates from a totally different perspective from ours and a totally different set of values from the kingdom of the world which we are all in and listen and still have to some measure on the inside of us. Because just because you, we prayed a prayer and I prayed a prayer 13 years ago doesn't mean that my old nature is still totally gone, is it? There is a battle that rages in my new and my old. So although I am a new creation, this old nature still fights to be dominant. It fights to be Lord. It fights to, to be the number one in my life. And I have to engage in a process of the Spirit, of dying to that, being led by the Spirit, that the life of Christ in me would come forth. And Paul talks about that in 2 Corinthians 4. And we're going to look at some of those scriptures later on. You know, it's not like we just have to make some minor adjustments. If we tweak it here or we tweak it here. No, if we want to enter, see and inherit this kingdom, first and foremost, we need a spiritual awakening. What's that? It's when you acknowledge who Jesus is. You come to a place in your life where you acknowledge what he did on the cross, you believe it, with all your heart, you come to what the Bible says, repentance, which is not only just coming, you know, asking God to forgive you of sin and what you've done, but changing the way you think, changing the way you actually think about things. Re means to go back and pent, that, that word pent and repent is also used in the analogy of a penthouse. So it's to go to the highest place to get the best view and to see how God sees. That's powerful. So we're to have this spiritual awakening first and then by inviting God into the core of who we are, then we need a transformation of our minds through the Holy Spirit, a renewing of our minds by the Spirit 
so we can perceive and see and inherit what God has for us. That's great news. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm really excited by some of the stuff God's been showing me. I've just put here, it is imperative we see from God's perspective if we are to be consistently used by God to bring heaven's realities to earth and as we looked about, prove the will of God. We are to prove the will of God. What's the will of God? So we've been talking about bringing heaven's realities to earth. The church is to prove that fact. Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to prove what the perfect and good, pleasing will of God is. So it's to go, as I've said, from written in a book to our reality. And that's what's happening. That's what's happening. That's what we heard two Sundays ago. Clay preached on miracles. It was an amazing time. And then as the church, we got into groups and we started laying hands on people and people started getting healed. You probably heard about it last week, did you? Some of the stories. About seven people got, God moved on. Some healed like just the whole thing, partly a thing. Heaven invading earth through the church. It was awesome to watch. It was nice taking a break. <laughs> understanding starts in the heart we've talked about that but the mind is the gatekeeper of the supernatural that's why it's so important our minds are being transformed listen through a divine revelation of the spirit of God this is the process we must be going through if we are to have a renewed mind and the mind of Christ via revelation via the Holy Spirit the spirit says in John, the Holy Spirit says, I want to come and talk to you. I've got things to say. I want to reveal all truth to you. There are things, I, you know, I'm, I'm seeking God more and more these days in His Word, but also just in the presence of God, in the glory of God, saying, God, speak to me. Put the Bible aside and speak to me direct. Because you want this relationship, you want to speak to me and I want to hear you and I want to speak back to you. I want to have a conversation like I have with Danielle. And then I take the word and I say, speak to me through the word as well. Speak to me through other people as well. So it's not just one avenue, but I want to challenge us all and encourage us all to ask God to speak to you direct like a person speaks to you. From questions, you look at Jesus' life when he was 12 and he's in the temple and we'll look at this maybe in the next few weeks about receiving revelation. He's asking questions. He's asking questions and it says he's asked and he listens. From direct, not via another source. And so what are some of the key elements that we've grappled with? Number one, understanding the kingdom starts in the heart. Understanding starts in our hearts. Jesus said that in, in Matthew 13, but he also says in Luke 17, 21, he says, the kingdom doesn't come with careful observation. He says, because the kingdom is inside of you. It's within your midst. See, I said a few weeks ago, every, every kingdom issue is a heart issue because the kingdom is inside of us. Every issue that we struggle with is a heart issue talked about repentance letting go not building idols in your life Jesus is the rock 
the reality is everything in our lives should be able to shift and change because he's the rock. As long as he doesn't move, I'm okay. My faith is in him. It's not in man. It's not in circumstances. It's not in situations. It's not in money. It's not in gifts or talents. It's in Christ. So as long as Christ does not move, I'm okay. Yes? That's the relationship that Jesus wants with us. So things shift, things change. The kingdom is a kingdom of transition. We are to be going from glory to glory. It's in the DNA, it's in the book that change happens. Do you know God is a God of change? He's transitioning us to a specific point. So we have to be comfortable with transition and not be so bound by the fear of loss of change because that's what holds us back. It's not change, it's the fear of the loss of change. But if you're plugged into the Christ, anything can change. Because he says, what? I'll never leave you, never forsake you. There's nothing that can separate you from me. And it's a continuing revelation of the rock, which is Christ, that the church is built upon. Meaning, we need to be having a continuing revelation of who Jesus is if we are going to be built accurately. Otherwise, you'll, be a, you'll stay at the level of your revelation. There's a few of you look at me like... That's why you need to go back and grab the CD and listen to it again so you can get it. The future will be, that we will embrace will be determined by the revelation we carry. How you think, how you see. God is trying to get the church to see from a divine perspective. To see a little bit of fish feeding 12,000 people. That is possible for the church. Can you see it? Or is it like, nah. Jesus couldn't do miracles in his hometown. Why? Familiarity, spirit, lack of belief. The God of the universe. If you think about that, go away and think about it. There's a tension in there, isn't it? The God of the universe who can do everything couldn't do miracles because of the people's thinking, their faith. What does that mean? Does that mean he partners with us? So we've got to understand these tensions that exist in the kingdom. God can do anything, but he couldn't do anything because of the lack of belief. Interesting, isn't it? That he wants to partner with us so we are to arrive and have faith to see mountains move. We are to believe in him, not in us, in his ability, his bigness, and that starts in our hearts. That's why Jesus said, if you believe in your heart, you can speak to the mountain and you see it move. I think I shared the other week that understanding is not required for obedience, faith is. And faith starts in the heart, not the mind. We can believe in God's word without understanding it fully in our minds. Listen to this. We don't understand to believe. We believe so we can understand. How many people can fully understand how when you lay a hand on someone and you speak spirit, word and life into someone who's suffering with cancer or a broken arm or they haven't got their, their missing cartilage or something and you speak that 
and all of a sudden they get healed. Anybody fully understand how that happens? I've got a clue. But I believe it to be true. And I believe when I operate from that level of faith in God, I'm stepping out in Him him to go, you can do this, God, then it can happen. I don't understand it, but I believe it in my heart. And that's where God's trying to get the church to and continue to journey for as number one. The second thing, it's the renewed mind that unlocks the kingdom. We shared this, the renewed mind that unlocks the kingdom of God. That's why it is so important that our minds are transformed and renewed so we can see and come into the fullness of maturity as the church. Maturity has nothing to do with you've been a Christian 35 years. There are some Christians that have been Christians 30, 50 years that are still babies. And there are some people that have been Christians three months that are maturer than most people. It has nothing to do with age. I love this. It has everything to do with the, the gap between what you hear and then you obey. So you can come into this kingdom as knowing God one second, hear his voice, obey it, and bang. This gap starts to enlarge so you then be, are a mature Christian. As I said, because you can be like the, the slave in Galatians and have this incredible inheritance but never enter into it. And it must be something that is formed on the inside of us. So when opposition comes or things come at us, you know what, you don't run away, you stand and fight because of what's been formed in you. It's to be that real and tangible. Hence, if you believe in evangelism and aren't doing it, there's something wrong. If you know about discipleship and you're not in it, there's something wrong. Because if you truly know it, it's in you, it's forming you, you have to be in it. That's what the Word of God is to do. Not to be this abstract thing that we go, yeah, I got it in my mind, but we never do it. That's religious activity that does nothing for you and nothing for the world that's trying to find God. It actually just makes you more religious. And the tension in this is you actually think that you are the effective church. That's where the deception comes in. Because you go to class and class and hear message after message and go to home group after home group, but you're the same person year in after year out and there's no difference because you're not getting the revelation by the Spirit of the truth. Jesus said, my words are life and they are spirit and they transform. And the challenge for us and for me personally is what is the word for the day? What is the word that has the power for this person's situation today? Not the regurgitated word from last week's message or my own thinking, but the very word that contains spirit and life and power so when I speak it forth, it's received for those who have ears to hear and eyes to see. And it transforms those people. And God wants everybody transformed. Let me read you this. I love this. We, the church, are called to extend his rule in this earthly sphere just as Adam was called to do. We see this in each commission shown in the gospel. The commission of the 12, the commission of the 70 and the 72 and the great commission. God gave the same instructions. In essence, go heal the sick, preach the good news, demonstrate who I am and what I am like, extend my kingdom. But too few of us today follow these precise instructions. We get caught up in side arguments, intellectual skirmishes, theories and emotional head trips. 
we become enamoured of our own talents and spiritual giftings, thinking we can direct our own course simply by putting our gifts and talents to use as we see fit. Though well-intentioned, we become self-appointed in our commissions, honestly believing we are submitting to God. In reality, it isn't possible to prove the will of God on earth as it is in heaven unless we are completely plugged into the primary mission God gave us. We put it this way, there is no commissioning without submission to the primary mission. That's huge, isn't it? Man, I wish I was that clever to think of that. I reckon that came directly from the Holy Spirit to the man that wrote that book. Capture that truth today? Sure. There is no commissioning without submission coming under the authority of God's design and what he came to do, his will, to the primary mission, which is him, what he came to do. We can run off and what that in other terms means that God said, you know, love people, love me, love me, love people, go make, go make disciples. That's his primary mission, bring heaven's reality to earth. If we're not doing that, then we're not submitting to his authority. We're doing our own thing, thinking it's godly and God will grace it, but it's not running in the lane that he has for the church. And guys, it's... it's, it's <laughs> We've heard the stats, 2% of people are proclaiming the gospel today as Christians. I don't know how they work those stats out, but I know, I know what we're trying to build and what we see and, and how many people are in life groups and how many people I'm talking to are sharing the gospel and it ain't great. And so there needs to be a transformation on the inside of us where we start to fall in love with God and people and the things that he cares about. And it won't happen through just carnal thinking, our carnal thoughts. It won't even happen by reading the Bible, per se. It's reading it going, Holy Spirit, illuminate the truth, the life, the spirit that is in this book into my heart and my thinking so I can fall in love and actually care about and start living in the things that I read about. That I have the boldness and the faith to sing, let it rain, let it rain, and then go across the road and actually start engaging. And I'll tell you, these guys would have been more on fire than the people that received it. I bet you they talked about it on the way home. I bet you they're still talking about it, correct? Yeah. Why? Because you start operating in your design of what's inside of you. And when you start... Danielle said this to me some months ago. She said, I feel more alive. And I've been, we've been talking again and trying to encourage you to step more into this prophetic thing that's on her. And at the women's camp, she got to sing prophetically. She got to speak prophetically. And she said, I feel more alive. That's because you're operating in your gift. It's not something that's abstract from you. It's who you are. We're on a year of incredible stuff. Yeah, I reckon. Without a renewed mind, we cannot think like God or see as God does or operate in ways which He expects us to because we are miles away from His reality. And we talked about this gap. But don't let the gap bring you down. Don't let the gap depress you. Just acknowledge, yeah, man, you know what? I'm looking at this and oh, what he said today, I'm, I'm probably not quite there. 
But I want to be. I want to be. Maybe I'm, I'm at a thousand feet on Mount Everest and I want to get up to 5,000 feet. I want to see it another level. And it, Jeremiah says, it talks about, in Jeremiah 33, we call out to God. Let me read it to you. Call to me. This is God speaking to you today. Call to me and I will answer you and I will tell you great and mighty things which you do not yet know. That word mighty in the New Testament is mystery. There is mysterious things and if you call to me that you do not know yet, if you don't know today, I will reveal them to you through a spirit encounter with me. That's why I said before, we've got to come into a divine encounter with the Christ. Paul had a divine encounter that radically realigned the man. And come with me to Matthew 14. I'm just going to pick some things out of this passage. And as I said, we're going over some things and I know there's some new things that we're saying today. Matthew 14, uh, 15. Had a game of golf up in Auckland. Got absolutely spanked <laughs> by Tuck and James. <laughs> Brought me down to reality. <laughs> My uh, 13 handicap. I'm sort of quite proud of that, you know. No, I just couldn't hit, couldn't hit a soccer ball, and uh, didn't hand that card in. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> All right, are we there? Matthew 14, verses 15. And this is the story where we Jesus is. Fed, you know, the Bible says 5,000 were fed, but we know it was probably more like about 12 because it just talks about men that were there and they would have had their wives and their kids. So verse 15, when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this place is desolate and the hour is already late. That's really important. So send the crowds away, so that, that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said to them, now listen to these words. So you have one perspective we've just heard, haven't we? We've had this natural human perspective on the situation. They've made, they've looked and then they've made a judgment call about what the picture looks like and how they should respond to the picture. But then Jesus says this, they do not need to go away. Can you imagine being a disciple right about now? Ah, what's coming, boys? We missed that one. <laughs> you give them something to eat. They said to him, we have here only five loaves and two fish. Well said. <laughs> Was that encouragement? <laughs> <laughs> you give them something to eat. What was Jesus trying to get his disciples to see? The reality is they couldn't see it at this point because it was beyond them. What he was trying to get the disciples to see was beyond their worldly thinking, their modes of operations from the world, from being fishermen, who's trying to show them what is possible when one man or woman who is filled with the Holy Spirit, submitted to the Father, 
who knows their authority, hears the Father's voice, walks in obedience to that voice, is in the process of sanctification. What that person can be used for in releasing kingdom resource because they are walking with kingdom sight. They see the unseen realm that exists by faith and by faith it's God that does it. They ask God to bring resource from this unseen realm into the natural. You give them something to eat. Now here's my question for us all. Is Jesus having a laugh? What do you think? One man thinks he is. I had a no over here. Is Jesus intentionally trying to set the disciples up for failure? Do you think God does that? No? So what's he saying? You give them something to eat. Now I looked in the NIV and I looked at the King James and the New King James and you know what it says? You give them something to eat. (laughs) So I'm a literal sort of a guy. I think he's saying, you give them something to eat. Well, how do they respond? Their first response was to look at their natural surroundings. They said this, this place is desolate and the hour is late. If we are being honest and I'm being honest today, I do this all the time. God speaks, I look at my natural surrounding, it's desolate, it's late, there's all these people, look in the natural, what's happening, how on earth are we going to feed all these people? You better send them away. But Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus looks and he sees an unseen realm, his kingdom that is with him, and says, we don't need to do that, I can take what's given and I can actually put it and submit it into the kingdom of God and we can feed all these people. And he actually asks them to do it. Are you getting this today? There is a role for the church, for you and I, that goes beyond our natural thinking. And if our thinking is transformed through the Spirit, guess what? We'll operate in it. But in the natural, we won't because we look and it's too big and it's too... And you know what? It should be. It actually should be. Because things of God, when you get the revelation of them, you actually go, I can't do that. That's too big. It needs to be. Every time God says in, in, in his Old and New Testament, he says, I will be with you. Whenever God gives a task to a man or woman, you know, it's way too big for them. He says, I will walk with you in it. He said to Gideon, I am with you. It says, go into all the world and I will be with you. The task is massive. But with him, anything's possible, yes? Through this vessel, this resource, this earthly body that has the God of the universe living in it. So it's him that does the miracle, but we partner with him to see the miracle come to fruition. And he's saying here to his disciples, guess what guys, you can do it. But they painted this mental picture, and we do this and I do this all the time. And we start asking questions, and the picture gets bigger and bigger of why it's not going to happen. And then they respond, their second response is this, send the people away. Anyone else do that? God says do this. God says start to give some of your finances. You don't understand, I can't. I've only got this much and I've got this bill, this, 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 this coming in. Can't do it. Sorry. I want you to start serving, I don't know, people in your workplace. Sorry, can't do that. 
got this, 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 this and this. And a mental picture starts to form which blocks what God's trying to do through you, bring his glory to earth through you, for you to experience the kingdom coming through you, that your faith would grow. But because we can't see it, because our minds aren't renewed by the spirit of revelation, we walk away from the very situation. And Jesus is so grateful and gracious sorry, to us. He doesn't beat them up. He gives them another opportunity again to do it. So God is this amazing God that always says, come on son, come on daughter, start to perceive, start to walk in this thing and start. I'm partnering with you because I want to bring my glory through you to the earth. Yeah? There is no, oh listen, sorry, a renewed, sorry, without a renewed mind, our thought process always starts with what we don't have or our lack of. God can take nothing and feed people. God can start with nothing and do everything. He can take a little bit and feed a lot. So we're not to start from a place of lack or nothing. Because if we can see this kingdom, there's no lack in his resource bank, yes? There is no lack of healing. There is no lack of the supernatural. There is no lack of anything in heaven. God is an abundant God. His nature is abundance. He doesn't heal. He is the healer. It's who He is. He doesn't provide. He's the provider. He is the creator. And there is no lack. So where is the lack? In His people. In me. By not positioning and walking, have the faith enough or see it enough to move into. Because why? Because I'm not intimate enough with the Father for Him to show me. Because I'm too busy running around doing my own thing, living for myself, seeking my own kingdom, instead of just spending some time and saying, God, reveal to me some of these things that my mind can't conceive. I want to be a king who goes after the things that you've concealed. I want to be the man or the woman that actually goes looking for the pearl, finds it, sells the field, and falls in love with you. Yeah? It's exciting for us. The opportunities for the church to engage in the supernatural experience with God is huge. If Jesus doesn't scare you a little bit, we may need to check the distance between us and Him. Because He's a scary guy, if you can hear what I'm saying. He raises dead people. Would have been good in the movie, Sixth Sense, eh? I see dead people. Jesus can fix that. <laughs> he takes things that are not and makes them as they are. I don't know how he does it, but he does it because he's awesome. And he says, you want to come and be part of this? Me in you. That's why the man, the centurion man, who could see him, wasn't just seeing it, he could see the fullness of who Jesus was, the design, the pattern in which he was to walk when he said, I see you, I see, I'm a man under authority, I have men under me, and I see who you are. And Jesus said those powerful words, I have not found faith like in this, like in all of Israel, in all the church, in all the religious sect, in all the people, I have not found faith like this Roman Gentile. Wow! 
Why? Because he could see with accuracy and he spoke it forth and he knew God could move. Unbelievable. That's a picture of who the church, me and you, are called to be. Walking with that faith. Seeing Jesus, who he is. Getting the revelation of who he is. And then coming into the fullness of who we are. I want to share another little story with you. Some of our local church leaders had a Native American reconciliation event and many more people showed up than were expected. We only had four salmon to feed about 900 people. But those four salmon fed everybody full to the brim with leftovers. That's not possible in the natural, but it is in the normal Christian life. Besides the weekly feeding of the poor, we have an annual holiday feast in which families from the church adopt a table in our gym and decorate it with Christmas decorations. The tables are set with our finest china, crystal and silverware. We then bus the needy to this event held in their honour. This past year we served prime rib. We started with 34 roasts to feed, two seatings of about 500 people each. After serving 19 roasts in the first setting, we realised that the 15 we had left over were not enough for the 200 workers plus the second group of 500. The decision was made not to feed the workers. But when they went back into the kitchen, there were 22. Seven more had mysteriously appeared. The workers were then fed, as was the second group of needy people. That should have exhausted our mysterious 22 roasts, but there were 12 more left after everyone had eaten. Multiplying bread is great, but I really like seeing prime rib <laughs> multiply. Now right now, some of us are asking a question of that story and what I've just shared. The question has four words attached to it. The question I believe is this, do I believe that? Do I actually believe what I just heard? I hope you do. Really hope you do. That's why faith plays a massive part in this kingdom. That's why we've got to come into the kingdom like a child. Like a child that just believes. You can do it. I believe you can do it. See, unbelief will rob us from experiencing kingdom realities. I heard this saying that unbelief is partnering with the demonic. That's powerful, isn't it? Unbelief partners with the demonic. Faith. Jesus talked a lot. Jesus said, according to your faith, let it be done. But an unrenewed mind will always struggle to see with divine perspective. So understanding starts in the heart and we must have a renewed mind through the Spirit. And I love what Matthew 13, 11, 12 says. It says, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. So there are these mysteries, these secrets that have been given to the church. They're given to us. We're not the ones that you know, it's been hidden from, it's been hidden for us. And if we would walk in these things and perceive these things and see them and operate, then there is an abundance that will come. I'm not talking about riches and I'm talking about just seeing the, an outworking of that reality of heaven on earth. 
and you'll be used in phenomenal ways. Number three, the mind is only renewed by a revelation via the Spirit. I'm spending a lot of time at the moment looking at the Apostle Paul, just reading his letters and just really asking God to reveal the depth of what this man went through. I'm starting to see things that I've never seen before. I'm starting to see the opposition that came against him. I'm starting to see the things that he went through, the struggles that he had, the the internal battles that he had. And man, did this man pray. Man, he prayed. How many people know that prayer unlocks the supernatural? Prayer unlocks everything. That's why we need to come to Mountain Movies. We need to be part of 24-7. We need to be part of every prayer thing that's happening here and in your own life because prayer unlocks everything in your own life. It's part of dying to the patterns of the world and embracing the patterns of the kingdom. Ingrid's going to talk tonight about coming into the rest of God, but rest is actually an aggressive place. But it's restful. What does that mean? Well, come tonight and you'll hear But Paul prayed passionately for this church in Ephesus. He said, I pray with everything I have and I keep asking that this church would receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Why? Why was he so passionate about the church receiving the spirit of revelation? Because he knew what would happen to the church when it received it. It would become the very thing that he was becoming. He received it on the road to Damascus. The spirit of revelation, bang, and it changed him. It altered him radically. He goes from being someone of the Hebrew of the Hebrews, someone goes, all that was such a load of rubbish and a waste of time and I've found the real thing. And now I'm operating in the real thing and I'm prepared to suffer for the cross. I'm prepared to suffer for the gospel. I'm prepared to lay my life down for this whole thing to see God glorified through me. That's why the man was so passionate about us receiving a spirit of revelation. Are you that passionate? Are we asking God to bring, open our eyes so we can see, really see? He was. He says in Galatians 1.11 that man did not teach me the gospel. Man, it did not come from man. It came through a direct revelation from the Christ. And man has it transformed me. Transforming lives by giving ourselves away wasn't through anything but God. John 3.27, man cannot receive anything unless it comes from heaven. Of real substance, guys. I'm talking about real that changes you, it moves you. You're like saying things that you never used to say and now you're saying them. You're being defined. We were once before, you'd never shared the gospel. You're now sharing the gospel and the fullness of the power of the gospel. Why? Because you've encountered Christ. You've encountered the power that comes and ships and shapes and changes you. I hope you're catching this. I hope you'll even go after it because it's for you. And it can only come through him. The difference between people whose flames are burning bright and those who are going out or dimly lit is revelation through the Spirit. Proverbs 29.18, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. The New American Standard, and the King James uses the version where there is no vision instead of revelation. It's not talking about vision like let's set some goals. Nothing wrong with setting goals. 
That's not what the Bible's saying. It's saying without a prophetic vision, without insight, without revelation of the Christ, without revelation of truth, without revelation of seeing accurately, you know what you'll do? You'll walk away. You'll be, you'll be apathetic. You'll think, oh, I can't be bothered. And you'll actually seek your own kingdom. And you'll wonder why that your light's going dim or it's gone out. Because we need a continuous revelation. On the revelation of the Christ, I will build my church. Hence, getting into his presence or just asking for it 24-7. It's not just in the quiet time it happens. It can happen driving along your car, singing your tunes, fully cranking the volume up. But God sees the heart hunger and the posture and says, for those who seek and for those that knock and for those that ask, I will give it. And I'm really hoping you're hearing me. I'm sure you are. It's transformed people that transform neighbourhoods and communities and cities. It's imperative that we are receiving the spirit and the life that is on God's truth revelation. Otherwise, we are just fooling ourselves and becoming more religious. Renewal comes as revelation leads you into a new experience with God. Jesus said, the harvest is ripe, but you guys say four months more. I'm telling you, it's today. It's now. Can you see it? Once again, in the natural, no, no, it's four months more. It's not here yet. It's here. My kingdom came with me. Repent. Change the way you think so you can enter into this kingdom. The last thing is we must die to our patterns and live by his. I just want to read you sort of four statements, just scriptures. John the Baptist said, He must increase, but I must decrease. Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. He also said, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And in 2 Corinthians 4.11, for we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh and we looked at that in John 3 uh, with Nicodemus and Jesus when he said you know to, to see you must be born again kingdom to enter the kingdom you must be born of water and spirit and the common thinking there is the water is a baptism which is a symbolic event it's a, it's a thing of dying to self I'm not just talking about sin issues that you might be struggling with where you know I lie here or I gossip here or maybe I'm doing some things that are, I'm looking at some stuff on the net that includes that, but I'm more talking about dying to the old thinking, dying to old patterns, dying to the intellect of thinking you've, this is how I learned, this is how I've studied, this is how I did it at university, dying to all those things and picking up this new way of learning, this new way of perceiving and walking in a spirit kingdom. Die to all that and come up as this new and relearn, come into it like a kid. Go back to school and relearn how it's to be done through the Spirit, through revelation. So we must die. So what are the four things that we've covered today and over the last sort of three or four weeks? Number one, understanding the kingdom starts in the heart. Two, it's the renewed mind that unlocks the kingdom. Three, 
The mind is only renewed by a revelation by the Spirit. And four, we must die to our patterns and live by His. And that means across the board how this place is built, how God's people are built, how it's led. It applies to every area within Christendom. That's the process we're on right now. It's awesome, scary, challenging, fantastic. Because you know what? He's in control of it more than we are and I am. And that's the best place it can be, amen? I said at the start of this message that we need a spiritual awakening before we can ever see the kingdom. I just want to read just John. And if you're in that place today where you've never made a decision to follow how you've said, what on earth is this guy talking about today? Your mind is, you can't really understand most of it, but you know what, your heart has brought you here today. You've been drawn here for some purpose and, and you don't know, you haven't yet made a decision, a commitment to engage with the creator of this world called Jesus Christ. I just want to read this and I pray you'd hear the words of Jesus. He says, He who believes in me does not believe in me but in him who sent me. He who sees me sees the one who sent me. I have come as light into the world so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my sayings and does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world but to save the world. The world is people. He who rejects me and does not receive my sayings has one who judges him which is the Father. The word I spoke is what will judge him at the last day. For I did not speak on my own initiative, but the Father himself who sent me has given me a commandment as to what to say and what to speak. I know that his commandment is eternal life. Therefore, the things I speak, I speak just as the Father has told me. And if you want to make a decision today, and I did this some weeks ago, We've sort of changed the way we do these things now. I'm not going to ask anyone to bow their heads. I'm not going to ask anyone to close your eyes. I'm just going to ask you to come forward and just shake my hand. If you're here today and you're saying, Greg, and you'll know if if you're ready. The Bible talks about counting the cost before you make a decision because God, as I said, he just doesn't want to bring you into his kingdom and leave you there. He wants you to come into the fullness of of what he has for you, which means you will literally need to leave your old life behind, but he will walk you with that through that process and guide you and lead you into that process. It will cost you everything, but you will find everything in the process. If you're here today and you're ready to make that choice, just come forward and I'll shake my hand, give you a hug and we'll pray together and, um, and then we'll just wrap the meeting up. Is there anyone here today? Anyone up there in the balcony? Not won't take long. Anyone that wants to come back to God? Thanks, Keith. Anybody that wants to say, you know what, I've been away. I've been the prodigal son. You know what, the reality is my candle, it's pretty dim and it's going out. And today is the day that I want to reconnect, re-engage, get plugged back into the power socket, plug the aerial into the tally so the picture comes and live in that picture. Anyone else? 